Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook, Leadership for Organizational Growth. Make sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod three, two, one. Kind of a fun number. This is Elizabeth Frederick, and I am really looking forward to today's show. My guest today is the president of 10K Sales Management Training, LLC, guiding clients to reach their desired business goals. He spent his entire career in senior roles in sales leadership, sales training, in advertising and media sales, as well as in the higher education space where he was in uh, senior leadership roles. He's also taught graduate level classes in sales and in advertising management. And he's the author of two books, 21 Lessons Learned in Sales Management, and his latest book, 21 Lessons Learned in Leadership. Welcome to the show, Ted Kalawiak. Well, thank you very much, Elizabeth Frederick. I'm uh, very happy to be here. I appreciate that, uh, that nice intro. Uh, well, thank you for being here as well. I just shared those top-level bullets of your bio, but I know that's not who all you are as a person. So could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Well, I'd be happy to. And I, I have to, this is going to sound very cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway. It it seems like only yesterday that um, I was uh, graduating with my journalism degree from Northern Illinois University, and it's been 40 plus years now. And over those 40 plus years, I've spent the uh, the entire time of my business career in uh, sales and sales management uh, and leadership roles, uh, 25 years in the uh, advertising media uh, sales industry, and then uh, nearly 20 years in uh, in higher education. Um, and I, I tell you, the, the real concept of, of things that I've learned over the course of being in sales and sales management and leadership, leadership positions really is about helping others. And I have that passion about uh, teaching and training and uh, helping others uh, to improve. And those are some of the reasons why I um, wrote the, the two books that, uh, that I did. But I think what I really uh, am passionate about, most of all, when I think in terms of uh, being able to be a guest on a great podcast like this, is to come up with one or two actionable items uh, that the listeners can really put into play to help them uh, to in- improve their uh, sales uh, leadership skill set. So I'm um, looking forward to our conversation. That um, That's great to hear, Ted. And I, I love that attitude. I think a lot of times, you know, clearly in talking to somebody like you with all of your experience, with your perspective, we could have just this high level conversation, all philosophical, um, which is a lot of fun. But when it comes to leadership, there's there's a lot of theory and a lot of talk, but for those of us who want to be better leaders, it's great to just get some key actions that you can take to to just try something different, to see about actually implementing uh, something that you hear. So I know that that's what we'll be focusing on today. Well, I, I appreciate that too, um, uh, Elizabeth, because that really is the concept of um, of the books about uh, leadership in action. The first chapter of the book is leadership in action, is leadership defined. Um, I've had um, numerous conversations about leadership theory and uh, really uh, the concept, uh, it's it's just a little bit too much uh, at times. Too often leadership just becomes a buzzword and it's about theory, but the practical application uh, of leadership, uh, putting it into use um, and especially, you know, regular everyday business people. 
demonstrating uh, leadership, uh, not by what they say, but by what they do. That's that's really uh, important in um, in uh, leadership itself. Absolutely. So I'd love to get us started. Um, you've already kind of gotten us on this track. I'd love to get us started with just a simple question. Um, what are some of the key characteristics that you've identified that make people good leaders um, that you notice as you as you look back at these lessons you learned? Yeah, I, I from from that standpoint, uh, I'll go back to what I would uh, consider the three pillars, um, and that has to do with uh, caring and credibility and competence. And, you know, there are a variety of, of other um, aspects that correspond and, and uh, go along with those uh, with those three. But credibility, when you start out, you think about trust, you think about uh, commitment, uh, you think about earning uh, the respect of the individuals that uh, that you um, are leading or people, your coworkers, your team. Um, you think about caring, which is uh, basically um, having an awareness of yourself and others in that in that situational leadership position, and then also with uh, with competence, uh, which is about your ability uh, to uh, direct the team, to be with the team, and to be respected among the team. So, if you think in in those terms, credibility, caring, and competence as being the the uh, three-legged stool or the pillars uh, that uh, provide the foundation of leadership, there are numerous um, offshoots then that go along with that, um, such as uh, self-improvement. Great leaders are always learning. They're always reinventing themselves. They're always thinking about how they can get better. They're they're never satisfied with, with who they are or where they're at, although they put a little pressure on themselves this way, but they, they look at it appropriately from a, from a standpoint of reinventing and reinvesting in themselves. Um, they look at team improvement. Um, you always want the, the members of the team to get better. So they're not afraid, uh, and they do this in the appropriate manner to invest in, the, in, their, in their people that are part of their, part of their team. Um, Great leaders, of course, you know, a little bit of theory here as opposed to a practical application, uh, but they're strategic thinkers. Um, They're always thinking in terms of a strategy that is executable, Uh, not something that's pie in the sky, but something that's actually going to deliver results. So their strategy um, is based on situational reality. Um, They are great, um, and this ties in with the, the credible credibility uh, uh, stool uh, leg. Um, They're ethical. They're honest. They develop trust. They build trust. Uh, It's easy to see that they're doing the right thing for the right reasons uh, via their actions. And and I would add one more to this, and I would say it's forward thinking. Uh, Great leaders, the people that I've been associated with uh, that have been uh, mentors to me, that I've uh, watched them grow throughout the course of their years, um, they're innovative. They're, they have the ability to think ahead. They're not stuck in, um, in a situation where they're um, status quo. They're always looking to improve. So those are some of the, the main characteristics that I see of, of individuals who are always trying to do better and, and be great leaders. Absolutely. I love those three pillars because it's so clear to see how if somebody is missing one of them, they're they're not going to be an effective leader, right? I think mm-hmm. of situations I've seen where somebody had 
significant. They had the competence. Clearly, they had the skill. They knew what they were talking about. Potentially, even they cared, but they didn't have credibility. People didn't yeah. trust them. People, you know, were skeptical skeptical of their motives. Um, really, just trying to figure out why they were doing what they're doing. And all the competence and caring in the world isn't isn't going to help you. Um, same thing, you know. You could you could have a lot of confidence and people trust you, but they don't think that you care about them. They're not going to come to you with issues, with concerns. They're going to be afraid of you. They're going to avoid bringing up something until it becomes a really big issue. And mm -hmm. and actually, they're going to cause problems. You know, um, you could be a very caring person with a lot of credibility. People love you. They trust you. But if you're not competent, you're going to get your team in trouble. <laughs> and exactly. so, like yeah. you said, th this is a three-legged stool. And one of those legs goes away and and you're you're on the floor. And I really, it's, it's a simple principle. But um, as you're maybe doing some self-analysis, as you're evaluating people on your team, as you're potentially looking for who on your team could be promoted into a leadership role. I think these three pillars are a really good um, way to evaluate that, to think, you know, there's somebody, they're they're very credible, they're competent, and they're caring. That's somebody to nurture into a leadership role. Yeah, I think, you know, significant, and we talk about sales managers and uh, sales leaders, you know, identifying those who are promotable, who are your top performers. And it may not just be the person who, who produces the most sales, the most results, but it's the person who has the desire and the characteristics um, that kind of put them in a different position that they, maybe they care a little bit more about others and they, they've built that credibility and they're obviously they're competent in doing their jobs, but they, they, they want to express that and help others get to to be, let's say, successful, uh, to get them, uh, help them achieve their goals. Uh, those are the people who uh, are, are perhaps the ones that are uh, more highlighted for a, a significant managerial role. So I, you know, I, from that standpoint, Elizabeth, I think that, um, you know, the three-legged stool really provides a lot of foundation. And the people that I've worked with over the course of my years, the, the leaders that I admired, they, they all seem to have that. They, there was nothing that was, you know, you could tell the ones that weren't successful, they, they were lacking in one of those three areas, but the ones that were successful just built on that foundation. You know, they were genuine, they, they were able to communicate, they were accountable, they were approachable, as you said, and all of that ties in with uh, being credible, caring, and, and competent in their position. And that example that you shared of sales, obviously very relevant to this podcast. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we can all think of situations where somebody was a top performer and got promoted into a sales leadership role. And that is just based on that one leg of competence. They may or may not have the credibility of their peers. I've seen situations where you had a top performer and the organization hated them because they were bulldozing people in order to get those results. And people didn't trust that they had their best interests in mind. So they thought, you know, you're going to get promoted to sales manager and you're just going to use that to make more money, but you're not going to help me be more effective at my job. Um, and again, and I've also seen completely the opposite, right? I've seen, I've seen very, very willing to help, but then you've seen some people again, they're promoted and they want to continue to sell because that's what they love. That's what they're good at. They don't want to be onboarding new people and mentoring and coaching and all of that fun stuff that is not selling. And if mm -hmm. you don't have that caring, that desire to develop people, again, you could, you're going to be much happier being a top performing salesperson than being a not terribly effective sales manager. And that 
lack of understanding of of kind of these these principles leads people into situations where they end up kind of just over their heads not mm-hmm. by any fault of their own necessarily but it's a it's a really demoralizing situation for everybody involved well i think you know that's one of the concepts again of effective leadership is being able to identify uh, those individuals who are perhaps better off as individual contributors versus the ones who are maybe more of a team player who uh, have a managerial or leadership um, role um, in their mind. You know, the the best salespeople don't always make the best sales managers or sales leaders. And what happens in a lot of those situations, uh, and I think you were you were touching on this point, is that those individuals who are over their head they basically go back to what they know. They go back to doing what they mm-hmm. know best, which is selling in, on their on their own. And they forget about the the concept of being a manager and a leader and actually being that person there who's for the team. Um, so I, I think a, a strategic leader um, who really understands the, the was awareness level of themselves and others really has a, a, a key ability to identify the individuals uh, who are in a position to, to move forward or in a different role in the company. And um, I, th- I think that's a, that's a critical skill set for a, a forward thinking leader as well. Absolutely. One of those, one of the things you mentioned and that, that whole idea of a focus on both self-improvement and team improvement. To me, that's another real distinguishing factor between a top performer and a leader because focusing on self-improvement, anybody should do that, right? It doesn't matter if you're in a leadership role or not, that that's a sign of a top performer. But that idea of, I'm not just focused on myself. I'm not just thinking about, okay, can I get some training? Can I read some things? Can I listen to podcasts, do all these things to improve? But I'm thinking of the team. I'm looking at where they have room to improve. I'm creating systems and processes and bringing in training or doing training myself, coaching, Mm -hmm. anything that you can do that actually improves the team. And that's something that you can often see bubble up. As you said, that forward-looking aspect of a leader. Do you have somebody on your team that always volunteers to be the mentor mm-hmm. for a new hire? Mm-hmm. Do you have people on your team who bring resources? They say, oh, I just read this article. You guys should read it. Oh, here's some industry information that everybody needs to be aware of. Those are real leading indicators that somebody understands that it's not just about themselves and improving themselves, but the value of improving the team. And that's such a, such a wonderful characteristic. And and almost every organization I've been, I've, I've worked with, I've seen people on the team who did that just naturally. And that's something that you really want to nurture and develop because it's an invaluable resource as a, as a leader to be the one who doesn't have to necessarily find all of the content for, um, for team improvement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I you know I I don't know when it's learned in life or if it's just if it's inherent, uh, you know that willingness to share is uh, is critical. It, it, you know I I go back to uh, my own situation. Um, I got my master's degree at the age of fifty. Uh, you know I I I continue. I went through that 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 scenario of sales and sales management in. Uh, reading as many books as I possibly could read and, and always always thought of being a lifelong learner to continue to grow, to continue to develop. And, and I was fortunate enough to have a um, uh, several people that I worked with that, and especially when I got into higher education, who just uh, emphasized that, uh, that value 
of um, continue to grow and continue to develop through uh, through lifelong learning. Um, so I was fortunate enough and, and always had that uh, that capacity or that uh, that desire uh, to uh, increase my um, uh, skill set. Um, and then you know it put it into pl- into practice it, to try and help the people that were always on my teams that you know to encourage them to continue that same that same approach um and it really it's a foundation of teamwork when you when you think in those terms there's you know there's no selfishness there's no um individual um, um who's one better or the other uh, when you come to a team approach now now selling in itself um you know is a very uh, individual type of performance um, uh, type of a mm-hmm. um, career and yet at the same time uh, how many times have you have you been on on sales calls or worked with with a team to be able to uh, to um, uh, gain the sale um, you know the old days Absolutely. of selling are, are just are, are just it's 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 so different now because there's so many different options but you know, you have the marketing team that helps you. You, you, the finance team has to be involved. Uh, there's so many different areas of the corporation and the company uh, that the client, the customer, expects that they expect a team approach to to the selling process now. And uh, it again, it depends on the on what you are, um, your product or services, of course, and and um, the uh, situation where it is um, how difficult or Mm-hmm. Um, easy it is to sell. I, you know, it's not transactional. It's it's more or less complicated when I think in those terms. But the more complicated the sale, uh, I think that it becomes a, a greater team approach. And that leads back to the scenario about self-improvement and willing to share and always um, helping each other to, to do better. Absolutely. That, you know, that really, again, comes back to that strategic thinking and forward thinking. Because if you as a leader are kind of looking at the way things used to work and you're resisting that team approach, you're resisting providing clients and prospects with you know access to the people that they want to have access to, you're going to make it much more difficult for yourself, for your organization than if you can say, no, we're going to, you know, we're going to have our engineers trained so that they're able to participate in the sales conversation when appropriate. You know, we're not just going to have them out there prospecting, but they're going to come in to -hmm. various meetings. They're going to know what their role is. They're going to be comfortable with participating in the meeting. And that's going to help move opportunities forward more quickly. I've had two different clients in completely different industries over the last three years who've had a situation where they had a sales team sell something Mm-hmm. And then the implementation team would come in months later and basically have to fully rescope and resell yeah. what the engagement was because there was such customization that needed to happen. And the sales team didn't have access to those people. They didn't know what questions to ask. And it just was so inefficient and yeah. remarkably frustrating for everybody involved. Yeah. And so that idea of just you know getting the right people involved, focusing on the whole team, um, improving the process. Uh, That's definitely a a characteristic of a strong leader. So I know you framed your book around lessons learned. And that's such a that's such a powerful way to share, because I think we can all 
we all have learned a lot from experiences that we've had <laughs> in our own lives. And what's even better is when you get to learn from somebody else's mistakes and from somebody else's situations. <laughs> so you don't have to touch the yeah. hot stove yourself. So what are yeah. some of the most impactful lessons that you've learned about leadership? Well, I, I have to tell you this, Elizabeth, you know, the, the first book, 21 Lessons Learned in Sales Management, uh, really is geared on um, my experiences in, uh, mm -hmm. in being a sales manager and a sales leader. So I wrote it from my uh, perspective. I guess I, you know, I was me firster uh, to, to put that, uh, that book out. But the second book, 21 Lessons Learned in Leadership, is really a compilation of, of individuals' uh, stories. Um, I used my network, I used uh, research, um, some of my mentors, people that, I, that I've worked with over the course of years, and asked them to submit a, um, an exemplary leadership story to me. Tell me about mm -hmm. leadership and tell me what you experienced so the readers would understand that it's just not one, per it's not just coming from me uh, as the author, but it's coming from a variety of individuals who are, who are business leaders, regular people uh, doing a, um, um, their jobs, demonstrating exemplary, exemplary leadership, um, mm -hmm. again, not by what they say, but by what they do. And so a couple of the stories in the book that I, that I really am, of course, I'm fond of the, every one of the stories, but the couple that I'm <laughs> really fond of in the book, um, one of the chapters is, is entitled, Be a Great Human Being. Mm. And, you know, I have a, a friend of mine uh, who's an author, Terry McDougal is her name, and uh, she runs a, a, a marketing, um, she's a, a executive coach and has a marketing uh, background and what have you. Uh, her book is called Winning the Game of Work. And I was excited when she when she offered to uh, send me a, uh, she, uh, she raised her hand and said, yes, I've got a great leadership story for you and we'll, we'll talk about it. And I said, great, I can't wait because being a mar in a marketing background, I was expecting it was going to be something to tie in with sales. And she sent me a story about an individual that she worked with who went through a very personal, uh, unfortunate experience of having a miscarriage. And mm -hmm. her reaction to that as working with this individual over the course of the three to four months after that, that very devastating experience was mm -hmm. really a leadership in action story of how she had to deal with this individual on a daily basis to support her, to be with her, because very easily that person could have become uh, an HR statistic. Just another mm -hmm. person who um, didn't come to work and didn't, you know, wasn't contributing and, you know, unfortunately would have lost their job, but not the way Terry treated this individual. Her leadership style was to um, not only show empathy, but to be with her on a daily basis, you know, just to do a check in um, and and coach her to the point where it was it's such a strong um, emotional and caring aspect that mm -hmm. brought this person back from a, from a disastrous situation to a very uh, supportive and, and engaging and highly con contributing individual. So I, you know, it, it's not so much a, um, the, the scenario that I expected from her the, about great marketing leadership and, and how we're advertising a program. It was just <laughs> a humanistic story that just, it, it just touched me so much. And there's a couple like that in the book. And I, and I think, you know, 
when you when you think of empathy, um, you empathy is really an understanding of a situation of what a person's going through without actually having experienced that situation. And that's what mm-hmm. I tried to write about uh, in that story. So the, so the readers would understand a great leader understands empathy and understands what perhaps people are going through uh, without having experienced that themselves. That is such a beautiful and powerful story. And, you know, thinking about the time that we're in right now um, with with the pandemic and with all the challenges that people have faced, as a leader, if you haven't learned that lesson, you likely will see people on your team that are going to leave because, um, you know, you're seeing all of the, all the people on your team, maybe who are parents, who have had to, uh, of, of you know, school age kids and have mm-hmm. had to deal with their kids are at home or like hybrid versions or back and forth and quarantining and, and craziness and stress. And if you can't have some empathy around that, if you can't understand what that's going to do to the person on your team, you're putting them in a really difficult situation because they're right. a human being. They mm-hmm. have a life and it's not like they're just a robot you know, from nine to five or whatever your hours are, they, they still have personal relationships and families and, you know, individual situations in themselves. And if you try to ignore that as a leader, you're really doing a disservice to the person on your team because they, they have problems, they have challenges, and you're not giving them um, the ability to kind of be their whole selves. And you're not, you're not supporting a really key part of them. And um, that's, you know, I think, COVID has really just put that into sharp relief over the last 18 months or so. Yeah. I, I, and from the forward thinking standpoint, I think, um, Elizabeth, I think you're going to see that over the next six to 12 months as well. And it, mm. it's starting already when, when you, uh, companies are, there's a very much a hiring crunch going on right now. It's very difficult to find people. Uh, there's mm-hmm. quite a bit of uh, positions that are that are open, and, and a lot of companies and organizations are touting their culture. They're touting, you know, we're we're a great place to work. They're trying to attract people to come and work for them. Um, and I'm always asking that question: Well, what have you done recently that has proven to me that you do have such a great culture? Um, mm-hmm. Don't just tell, don't just tell me about it. Show me. Tell me what you're doing. Do, are your leaders actually getting uh, involved in the scenarios that? Uh, prove to me that they do understand what uh, what people are going through in their lives. Um, you know, no one's got a perfect life, but at the same time, uh, are do they are they do? Excuse me, are they doing the things that place them into position um, that actually uh, prove that they are uh, a strong culture and that they care about people? I think you're going to see a lot more of that right uh, as we're going through this uh, this hiring crunch. Absolutely, that is. That's one of those things that also comes out if you ever look at, you know, like Glassdoor reviews, um, mm-hmm. the stories that you hear are often stories where the leader wasn't a great human being, where yeah. they were just, they, they lacked that empathy. And I know we get that pressure, right? We're getting the pressure to produce oh, yeah. the numbers and all mm-hmm. of that. And it's it's entirely understandable. The pressure is pushing us um, to not be a great human being. But, um, you know, and, and that story is also powerful just because the idea of of a miscarriage, I mean, that's clear, that's such a personal, just grief and pain and so difficult. And it can be 
it can be challenging as a leader to think about how do I support somebody in that situation, right? Mm -hmm. And one mm -hmm. of the easiest things you can do is you can ask, <laughs> how could I, yeah. how could I help you in this? Do you want me to, do you want to talk about it? Do you not want to talk about it? Do you need some time off? And just being willing to, to be flexible to what it is people need. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that that's one of the things that, that that's so critical uh, is just about leadership is some of it is just being there, showing mm -hmm. up, asking, how do you want to handle this? What would be, what would be the best way for you to be able to deal with this situation and how can I support you? You know, and, and I, it would have been very easy, I think for, for Terry in that situation that um, she explained to me and that I wrote about for just to say, okay, well, I have a job to do. We have mm -hmm. a, um, uh, <laughs> we have results we have to produce as a, uh, in, you know, at, at the time in her life, she was working at a, um, major finance uh, corporation and uh, was the marketing uh, person there. And they're just a, uh, just a very uh, pressure, high pressure job. If you think about it, she could have just uh, said, well, sorry, you know, just human resources is this and they, here's the support and move on because I've got a job to do. And she didn't do that. She didn't turn her back on this person. And that's mm -hmm. huge, huge uh, leadership. Uh, from a standpoint of of caring and uh, understanding how important it was to uh, be a human being and, and treat others the way you'd like to be treated first. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great one. Are, are there any other of the lessons that you felt were especially impactful? Well, I think, you know, um, I'll always uh, think in terms of the story I have in there about ethics. Um, mm. Leadership and ethics, because once again, we get into, and you, you mentioned it uh, just a, a moment ago about the pressure, uh, the pressure to perform, especially in sales. I, you know, as a sales manager, you have that, that weight of the world on your back. You have, you have the numbers. There's not many other parts of the organization that are, that are measured strictly on results and numbers the way the sales team mm -hmm. is. Um, and so there's a huge, um, there's pressure all the time to do the right thing in sales, um, to be able, because you're, you're, you, you, you want the results and yet you want to do it the right way. Um, and I have a story in the book about, um, about leadership and ethics and it, um, a quick, quick little summary. It's about a, um, a manager who of the uh, local tire chain stories in a competitive market, mm. there's pressure to hit the numbers. He realizes that, uh, the, um, the tire sales now are a commodity um, and he's working on his resume because he thinks he's going to lose his job. And the first thing his salesperson, his national salesperson comes in and says that he just signed a contract with the local bus company uh, who wants to redo half of their, their buses. They want all new tires for half of their fleet. Um, and the bus company requested um, a certain tire um, and if it wasn't available, that the, the company the, had the ability to um, authorize a substitute an alternative tire, um, as long as it met the same uh, safety standards with, with no price reduction and no negotiated rates or anything else. Um, and the salesperson knows in signing this order that they can make more money if they put in the substitute tire as opposed mm -hmm. to the manager where the manager knows that he can get the tires they're in stock. He can get half the tires that he has in his store and he can get the other half from the warehouse. So long story short, it's a, it's a, a situational conflict of ethics between 
the sales manager, the district manager, and the salesperson um, mm-hmm. of whether or not they're going to ex- they're going to substitute the tires and make more money for themselves and the company, or they're actually going to deliver what the customer signed the original agreement about. So, um, I think what I what I'm ex- extremely proud about this chapter about ethics, though, is that I tie it into um, we're a situation that um, provides the the reader and the, the to think a little bit in terms of, you know, how would I handle this? What would I do? Because there in, mm-hmm. in ethics ethical challenges really there's there's no perfect solution. There's always some baggage that goes along with it. And I was happy to find out that um, this my my alma mater is actually teaching a huge program in ethics right now. So I tied that into the, into the story. Uh, Northern Illinois university has a, uh, a program called the belief program, which is building ethical leaders uh, using an integrated ethics framework. So they're teaching this in college now. And I have to, I have to admit, Elizabeth, we didn't teach, we didn't learn ethics in college when I went to school. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't have a class in ethics either. Um, you know, I had business law and all kinds of Mm -hmm. other things like that, but ethics was not a topic. No, ethics didn't hit uh, me until again, when I was working on my master's. So, you know, maybe that as a lifelong salesperson and sales manager, sales leader, we grew up in an environment where sales was always looked upon as well. You get the sale, just get the sale, get the, get the business, get Mm -hmm. the order, do it whichever way you can that's not necessarily the right way or the best way. Um, and so I, I, I was really, really pleased to hear about um, uh, this, uh, this program that they have at, uh, at NIU, which is a, uh, it teaches, uh, you know, the faculties involved, the, the corporate partners involved, alumni students, and they do a complete uh, belief week about with case studies and in the competition, they have a business ethics competition. So I wrote about that in the book because I was just, I'm just so happy that uh, it's a um, it's it's really important and critical in sales and sales management to take an ethical approach and do the right thing. Absolutely. And when you think of the negative stereotypes that people have about sales, it's all about sleaziness and they're trying to trick me. You know, if you even just the expression of you're trying to sell me on something has that negative yeah. connotation of it's not Perfect. what's best for me. You, you just want to get what you want out of it. And if you as a leader allow that to happen, you're, you're losing that credibility within your team. You're, mm-hmm. you're demonstrating that you don't really care. You're demonstrating that you're okay with, with harming a potential future relationship. With um, there, There's so much trust that gets lost just within your team, much less if that prospect finds out, oh, you swapped out the cheaper option instead of the thing that I, that I wanted and right. paid for. And right. it's, it's, it's so hard to build that, that good reputation and just one decision can wipe it all out. 
And it's so incredibly important. Um, as you said, it's it's the pressure, that constant pressure. You know, you're prepping your resume. You think you're going to get fired. And, and this option comes up. And to have that strength of character to say, no, we're going to do the right thing um, because it's, it's worth it long term, even if, you know, we don't hit our numbers mm-hmm. and maybe I do have to get a new job. At least I can I can have a, a stronger reference. I can have um, the integrity to stand on. I can have a person who worked for me at this job who would be willing to work for me at another job because they know that they can trust me. And yeah. um, that's a whole lot. That's worth a whole lot more than one individual sale that you can get. Well, you know, um, you, you said it. You, you said it perfectly. There, it's a long-term approach versus the short-term uh, results. It's thinking in terms of uh, a little bit, a little bit farther down the road. Suppose the client did find out. Um, mm-hmm. That's gonna that's gonna be a tremendously poor situation where perhaps they could cancel the entire contract, and then you lose a customer. Uh, so it's worse on your reputation than uh, than just getting the short-term sales results. Yeah. You picture the story on the local news. I don't know if they have that where you are, but everywhere I've ever lived, you've got the local news reporter on TV who is mm-hmm. finding <laughs> corruption in local businesses. You never want to be the target of that guy or that woman. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's a, right. a good way to live your life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, those, are, those are two great examples. And um, and I, I really can see the principles of those. Are, are there any more of the of those lessons that you wanted to share with our listeners today? Well, some of them, uh, you know, and again, my background in sales. So there's a, there's a couple of great stories in in the book of 21 lessons learned in leadership that that tie into um, uh, sales and uh, tie into the concept of uh, leadership and involving your your team. Um, um, one of those that I, that I really in, enjoy is, um, uh, leadership and, um, getting ahead of the curve. You know, there, there's always that, um, that concept of, um, competitiveness in sales. And I have a, a scenario here where a, a great friend of mine based in St. Louis was under a, um, a very competitive, um, contract renegotiation, um, and fortunately, he worked through the, the scenario. I won't, I won't give you the, all the details here, but um, and in sales, you have that all the time. There's competition, there's contract mm-hmm. renewals, there's too many, there's pl- plenty of options for customers to go to. So you have to build a great relationship with them to keep them long term. And, and um, uh, Chris is his name, Chris Kroll, uh, again, who worked in a, in a very, very competitive, uh, direct mail business. And if you don't know, if you know anything about direct mail, uh, business, it is just highly challenging, um, mm-hmm. because there's always a, a cut rate price. Um, and he was able to get ahead of the curve and get ahead of his competition by building a relationship and doing the right thing and signing a long-term contract with, uh, uh with his, with his, uh, uh client that, uh, basically was, uh, the the main the main player if you will you know in the St. Louis market so that's a it's a great story about um don't take not taking things for granted and mm-hmm. sometimes you can do that in sales where you know you're 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 rolling along and things are great and your customers are are wonderful and um the next thing you know they're buying from your competition and they're buying in mass quantity from your competition uh because you've uh, you've uh, decided to go laissez-faire and accept the status quo, and uh, that story in the book will will help your um, your sales uh, team 
understand that uh, uh, never, never take things for granted and always trying to get it one step ahead of that competition. Definitely. You never want to be the one that gets the phone call um, of, you know, we've decided to move our business to somewhere else. And I think mm-hmm. a key, a key principle that just um, anybody in a, in a situation where you have long-term accounts that you manage, it is so easy for them to just forget the value that you provide over time. And so making sure that that you're reminding them of what it is that you do for them can be helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm even thinking of the, uh, the service we use on our website to block spam comments. They send us an email periodically. Here's how many spam comments we blocked. And it's just like, oh yeah, <laughs> we need this service, right? <laughs> just, yeah. We're not going to cancel. Yeah, just a great reminder of what they're doing for you. You know, it's, I mean, it's really kind of basic, you know, people, why do people buy, you know, they, they, they buy for their reasons, not yours. And, you know, they buy from people they like, they trust and people who deliver results and all those wonderful reasons. But the real concept is that people who they buy from people they've built a relationship with who they, who they trust and they have Mm -hmm. value on both sides of the equation. So if you're continuing to, um, uh, explore that, continuing to show that and continuing to work on that relationship and, and remind them, here's what we bring to the table. Uh, here's how we've helped your business grow. That's, uh, that's a, a foundational approach to sales uh, leadership and sales management. Absolutely. And, you know, I can think of times where I've paid more for something because mm-hmm. I was getting something intangible from that relationship in that I felt like they understood our business. They had taken the time to get to know us. They were willing to listen if we had, you know, special requests or we wanted customizations or other things, they'd be willing to do it for us because they, they valued our business and you're willing to pay a premium for that. And um, to, to strive to be that partner as opposed to letting yourself be a commodity. And so many businesses, like you said, direct mail, that, that is something that, so many people would perceive as a commodity, but understanding, well, you know, that just it's about it, it has that connotation of it has the connotation of junk mail, of course. Mm-hmm. So you think in those terms of immediately it's it's a negative. <laughs> yeah. And so if you don't think that's competitive, uh, <laughs> that, that is a very difficult situation. to be in. I quite literally sell junk. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's super fun. All right. Well, I'm sure our listeners are going to want to learn the other lessons uh, from that story. You're an excellent storyteller. And um, I, I love those principles that you pulled up. So thank you so much for that, Ted. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Do you have any resources in addition to obviously your books that you would recommend to our listeners? So I, I have to tell you this story. It, it won't take but a minute. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as I've moved through the country and, and transferred uh, around in, in different uh, leadership roles. Um, um, the concept that <laughs> um, being a lifelong learner, I collected, my library was well over 500 books. And when I moved from Florida to Missouri, I made the decision, I donated 495 books <sighs> to the local library. I, I said, I'm not going to move all these books. I've read them. They're great. Uh, you know, it's just, it's my foundation, but I'm going to make a huge donation to the, uh, to the local library. And I kept five books. And so <laughs> the five books I kept, I'm going to mention right now. And your listeners yeah. are going to say, well, yeah, we know these books, Ted. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe so, but here's the, rem- these are, these are five books that I would say are just 
you know, they, they've influenced me so much. They've provided a great direction in foundation. How to Master the Art of Selling by Tom Hopkins was the book that got me through the 1980s uh, as a sales rep for 3M company. Um, mm-hmm. The Situational Leader by Paul Hersey, Lincoln mm-hmm. on Leadership by Donald Phillips, Four Disciplines of Execution by Sean Covey. Um, that one is just outstanding if you have a huge uh, project and need to, to deliver revenue um, in a in a long-term approach. And then uh, John C. Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Those are the five books I kept. Everything else I donated. And um, so I think from that standpoint, I really, um, that's, that's my leadership story from, uh, uh, from the standpoint of resources. That's a real like desert island sort of a story. Just the idea. I have hundreds of books. I would, I would weep if you told me I had to get down to five, but it is a good thought exercise at least. (laughs) (laughs) It, It was hard. It was hard to part with those. There were so many that I said, should I keep this one? I want this one. But then I said, no, I'm, I'm going to help someone else again and, and give that give that back to the local community. And uh, the library was most appreciative of, of, of the book. So definitely. Um, I can imagine yeah. that, that libraries actually probably don't get a ton of business books as donations. And that's a really good idea. Um, you think of, yeah, it, you know, the struggling yeah. person who's thinking about starting their own business, who doesn't have a lot of budget to buy these books to be able to get them for free from the library. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a really wonderful thing as well. So there's a resource we can recommend your local library. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. I actually, I went out just this past weekend and bought eight books. So I'm like, I am the opposite of this. <laughs> if you <laughs> If you want people to learn more about you and your work, Ted, where should they find you? Well, uh, in all the usual places, uh, LinkedIn and uh, Twitter. Um, my website is uh, Ted K. That's T-E-D-K-A-Y-E-5-5 at Wixsite.com backslash 21 Lessons Learned. Um, that's, um, yeah, the website, LinkedIn and Twitter. Those are the, the main places that I frequent these days. And I'm sure you can hop from one to the other as well. So that's Absolutely. that's great. Well, thank you so, so much for speaking with me today, Ted. I really appreciated our conversation. It is my pleasure, Elizabeth. Thank you. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into today's show. You can find the notes and resources for everything Ted and I have been talking about today at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod three, two, one. As a reminder, if you subscribe to the show, you get every new episode as soon as it goes live. You can subscribe for free wherever you're listening right now. If you enjoyed the show today, the best way to help more people discover it is to tell them about it. So please share us with a friend. We absolutely love your feedback. You can leave us ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts or email us with feedback, questions, and guest suggestions to podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook and the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success. Happy selling!